I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Did I freeze you? Tumbling down the rabbit hole? Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 276 with Ashton Monea, evolutionary architecting, grid worker, multi-dimensional educator, new earth anchor, energetic warrior. Join the team as we get to know Ashton, a Capricorn stellium, chilling in the Blue Ridge, making the shifts and doing the work. Welcome and well met. Thank you, thank you for having me. Totally. Um, so something we do at the beginning of these episodes, like I mentioned in the green room, is con, uh, con, kind of condense the numerological resonance of the episode, which in this case is 276. That goes down to six, the lover's card. I am the gateway to divine love. The lover's is about seeking connection with others, blending opposing ideas into one and making a choice, accepting yourself, giving and receiving freely. Raphael, what card are you getting? Oh, how interesting. It is, of course, a three of discs, the Lord of the material world. So we are as close as to the other resonance as we can get with the attributions uh, Mars and Capricorn. Work to be done, nobility, elevation, dignity, rank, power, gain in the marketplace, construction. We actually also had this one recently. It's coming up again. Either I'm shuffling really badly or it's an interesting synchronicity. <laughs> And now Jim totally got stuck. So basically, what we'll ask you at this point, Ashton, is if there is any resonance for you. I'm not sure if you're into tarot or uh, how much you're dealing with it regularly or to what depth, if there's any resonances that would come up for you between the lovers and the three of discs. Yeah, no, there's absolute uh, resonance. I don't get so down with tarot. Something to know about me is that I tend to not study things. It's like a part of my path that I'm really meant to just be original creation, original creation, original creation. And so I like have like almost like a abnormal strictness to not being able to study things or read things. Um, but what came up for me is, you know, this year is 2022. This is a six year. This is a divine union year. Um, I am very much so meant for divine union. It's not something I speak about very frequently, but it's in the background of my journey a lot. Uh, where I'm located in the Blue Ridge Mountains, I consider it a three energy. And what I mean by that is it's a creative space. There's a lot of entrepreneurship here. Um, just creation energy is like vibrant and like palpable here in these mountains. Um, and I think, you know, of course, those two things come together because when we have we have three and three, so let's just break this down into a uh, kind of internal divine union. So that's going to be masculine plus the feminine, 
which then breeds the divine child, which is the three. And if you take two people who are both embodying what I call a trinity, which is what I just described, and you place them together integratively, we now have a nesting effect of divine union, which is the six, which comes to a nine, which is actually a creative point of both completion and beginning. So it's kind of like an optimal, uh, optimized uh, level of creation that perpetuates itself continuously. So those are the things that kind of rose. Yeah, here we, here we go for the number magic. And um, three of discs is also 71 in numerological tarot correspondence, which then would be an eight, which at least to oh. me, again, you know, is the eight. Uh, horizontal is two zeros. It's also a similar concept like what you were describing. Yes, or it's maybe even actually in my mind is the other part. I'm not sure if you're familiar with vortex mathematics where they have like this wheel from one to nine and between two and eight, you have the infinity sign and between three, six, nine, there's this. And if you have eight and nine, there's both, you know, so. Yeah, yeah so my birthday is January 9th. I describe myself as full spectrum. So how I experience, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the mantis shrimp, um, but it's a very powerful creature and it sees colors in a spectrum that is much wider than our human eyes can see. And it's, 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 it's like beyond even like, I think butterfly level, right? Seeing is um, just massive. And so when I describe myself as how I see or how I experience life, I describe it kind of as the mantis shrimp because this mantis shrimp is experiencing this full spectrum. And when I said my birthday is January 9th, I'm really meaning I'm not one through nine, I'm also zero through nine. So as I navigate my life, like I could be saying one sentence, I'm speaking nine different things. I'm, I'm in this dimension, but I'm also simultaneously in multiple other dimensions all simultaneously. Um, and so when you're talking about the geometry, some of the things that I teach and I teach to clients are about your toroidal energetics. How do you get your toroidal field in its proper and highest alignment so that you can travel yourself through time and space so that you can integrate yourself whole? So I'm working with the exact figures that you're talking about and the structures that you're talking about. There are things that I teach in my own way of teaching people how to actually embody more of themselves. So I'm bringing it to the grounded level which is so much of what I am. If you're going to be zero through nine, you're going to be taking high level dimensional planes of existence and energetics, and you're going to be applying them practically to life here. Otherwise, why are we even doing it? Um, in the sacred figure eight, you put it really perfectly. It is that intersection point. So we're talking about three and we're talking about six and we're talking about nine. So we're talking about creation. And we're talking about divine union and we're talking about completion. None of that happens without what I call the sacred figure eight, which embodies the integration of all things. Like at the center point of that eight is the integration point. It's the void. It's also where the, it's the magic maker. It's where creation comes to be. And we have to get within, like when I'm speaking to masculine and feminine energetics, we have to get those into balance in a way that they are so fully integrated and in harmonics with creation itself 
that it turns into the sacred figure eight so that we become the ultimate creators of our reality. And so being a major anchor of New Earth, I speak about this a lot, explaining that the sacred figure eight is a foundational code of New Earth. New Earth cannot be without the sacred figure eight. So thank you for bringing those elements in because they're all very meaning to me. I have the triangles on my wrists, <laughs> both masculine and feminine. You know, it's uh, the cards that were pulled and, and the number of the episode, everything as is it's meant to be, right? And divine orchestration, which is also how I work. I'm very geared by divine timing and divine orchestration. Every single person I've ever worked with, it's, it's like so incredibly divinely orchestrated. It almost doesn't make sense, except it makes all the sense. Well, it's not terribly surprising at some level because uh, Raphael is always talking about divinely synchronistically organized or however you might phrase it, Raphael. And it being a lover's card episode is obviously kind of this, like you're saying on your wrists, this polarization point that kind of creates the infinite dream that we're a part of in some weird fractality way, holographic weirdness. Um, so before we get, uh, too down the rabbit holes, which I'm glad you can kind of talk cogently on these things. Cause that just makes it easier for my double Gemini ass to ask questions. Um, give us kind of a rundown of who thou art. I mean, I'm trying to think, like I said, in the green room, I don't think I know exactly either. It was a mutual friend or something happened. And I added you at some point or you added me or something. And we're friends on Facebook, but we don't really interact. And I don't even know how long we've been friends, maybe years, maybe days. I couldn't even tell you probably not days. Cause I think I remember that. Um, but, uh, something, I mean, I was looking for guests that like your Facebook profile came up or something you posted came up and I was like, Oh, who's this? And I started looking at what you were talking about and I was like, all right, she's definitely going to be someone we should have on the podcast. This, this could be fun and interesting. So I'm glad you, uh, you know, accepted our invitation. And other than that, like, I really am not aware. I mean, I, it's funny. I was looking at your Facebook and it's like the, um, the template for the, um, I forget what it's called right now. Like, uh, Womb, not womb healing we just had somebody on talking about that but it had something oh, to do about womb. that like right yeah um the, for the past week or two or something i've been using this really abridged kind of like 30 minute chakra tune-up thing when i wake up at five in the morning before i do all this kind of weird stuff here and uh it has the same kind of template so i was like all right this is kind of ironic and funny at the same time for me so you could be as long-winded as you'd like or you know as brief as you want whatever's clever um, kind of give us, uh, you know, what kind of culture did you grow up in? When did you start waking up? What well, you know, when did you start becoming who you are to present day kind of mode? Yeah. So I grew up in a highly dysfunctional family, like tremendously dysfunctional. Um, every person in my nuclear family has some form of, if you want to label it mental health issue, right? between alcoholism, narcissism, um, highly dissociative, sociopathic. Um, so between my mother, my father, and my adoptive brother, I was surrounded by a ton of gaslighting, confusion, violence, addiction. And um, I came in in a really advanced soul. <laughs> and so uh, from a very young age, I was like, what the F is going on here? Like, why are these people not in their bodies? And like, why don't they understand these very simple concepts that like I understand as a child? Um, so I had a lot of work that I had to do around rectifying my reality, but really it wasn't even necessarily rectifying my reality. 
I came in as a major anchor of New Earth. So this meant that I was holding down what I call actuality all the fucking time. <laughs> While everyone around me was like destabilized. And so I was just holding truth in the room constantly. So I was like this, this walking truth speaker and divine mirror while all of the programming and the illusion and, you know, like the dysfunction was sharing space with me. And um, I got into psychology early on. I was studying relationships like really early on, like I'm talking elementary school. And um, I left my home when I was 18. I'd always wanted to leave. I was like, this is just not the place for me to be. And uh, at the time I was in a relationship with someone that I was kind of in a relationship with him all the way from sixth grade, all the way up to age 27 in some form. For 10 years, we were especially together, together. And um, so I moved out of my house and I moved in with him and his family, which I, I knew them for a really long time at that point. And I thought, well, this is a healthy family. See, like finally someone's asking me about myself. And, and what I ended up realizing is I just stepped into another state of dysfunction. I mean, isn't that so like the journey, right? Even on like the spiritual journey, we typically awaken and then it's like, here's a new cage. Like here's the new dysfunctional thing with a little bit of more truth in it, <laughs> but it's hidden. I think Paul describes it in a uh, Lord of the, or the Hobbit books out of the frying pan and into the fire, so to speak. Mm. I don't do well, just so you know, with movie references, it's like literally they just like get eradicated from my mind. I'm also always only coming along with like 50% of it, but I'm like, I'm sure some people are into American pop culture and all those things. So I'm like, it's for them. Even I sit like this. I'm also learning something new every time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. We all bring in our mastery and our experience. And I mean, that's really what new earth is about. You know, certain people are going to understand that reference and other people are not. And then other people understand what I'm saying and then they're not going to, you know, it's, it's all meant. So I trust it. I trust it. I trust us each to show up in our, in our unique way of provision. So, so yeah, I uh, moved into another dysfunctional family. Um, my ex at the time, his mother had Munchausen. So she was like, when we got engaged and his younger brother was also simultaneously getting engaged, too much of the emphasis was off of her. Like she legit threw herself down the stairs, like threw herself down the stairs, broke both her arms, her leg. Like it was extreme, right? So I'm just kind of highlighting like this was extreme. Um, and so at around 27, it was like 26 really, I uh, have been with this person for now, you know, over a decade, and uh, it was very much so that, you know, that kind of, kind of typical, each of our journeys is unique, but typical empath narcissist relationship. And um, what a classic. I, was like, I was like, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down today every time he acts like I'm invisible. Because I was like, this is happening. I know this is happening. And you're like so wrapped up in it that you really think that like, if you just get it on paper, <laughs> the other person's 
so totally going to understand. And they're going to like wake up and like, you're going to have this beautiful relationship together. And so, um, it was like 2 PM on this day. I decided to write all these things down and I went in my room because I had, I had asked a question and he looked at our roommate at the time and responded looking at this roommate. And I'm like, I'm the one that asked the question. So I go to, to write this, this incident down and I literally can scroll and scroll and scroll on my phone notepad. There were so many instances and it's only 2 p.m. And just, I describe it as an angel. Now I know there was actually me in a multidimensional form that's angelic, that does time travel. <laughs> but at the time I didn't know that. Um, but an angel dropped down and entered my body. And I just, oh, it was like I had such immense clarity in that moment. I could see through all of the illusion, which, by the way, this was not the first time that something like this had happened to me. I had another incident when I was 11 years old. Um, I was laying in bed at the time and I was going to bed. The lights were off and all of a sudden, like, I just see all these snakes filling up my room. And like, I wasn't, I'm not typically a very visual person. I, I, I am like uh, very many of the Claire's, but visual is not my strongest one. Um, so I was laying in bed and all these snakes filled up all the walls. And I'm like, what is going on? I know I'm not dreaming. And so like I tested it, like I closed my eyes. And when I closed my eyes, I actually didn't see. And I was like, this is backwards. <laughs> And these snakes gathered up into a larger snake and they, it was like right in front of my face and opening up its mouth. And I was just like, what is going on? So all I, all I knew to do was close my eyes and I just was like, you have to like go to sleep. Inevitably I got myself to sleep. So to backtrack a little bit here too, just like a side note, a snake skin was found in my crib as a baby. Like it makes no sense, right? So like snakes have just been a thing with me. <laughs> um, and so, and I'll be here and then I'll be there and I'll come back full circle, trust it. <laughs> so um, I'm laying in bed at this time. I have this snake experience and I didn't tell anyone about it. But the next day I woke up, I could see all my family's dysfunction with another level of clarity. Like I just changed overnight at 11. It was my first Kundalini awakening. I didn't know it again at the time, but that's what was happening. So then we fast forward back to 26, this angelic part of myself dropped in because my destiny is so strong. It won't allow me to go off path very long at all. Like I'm sure other people and listeners <laughs> know this, like where you get bitch smacked when you like get out of line. <laughs> it's like, you better get back in place. I have that really, really strongly. So this angelic part of myself dropped down and I could just see through like the gaslit fog of this narcissistic relationship. But this was also like a karmic relationship. This was also about my family, the family that I grew up in, right? I was just seeing through those layers in this moment. And though my body was shaking, internally I felt so still and so spacious. And so I spoke to, to my partner at the time and was like, oh, mm -mm, this is not happening like this. Like you are treating me like I'm invisible. This is also happening. This is also happening. And there's, there was no, he couldn't like wiggle room out at that time. I was just in clarity, but I also wasn't fully ready yet. And so I was like, I'm going to give him 30 days. <laughs> 
I'm, I know a lot of people who have been there too. Oh, I'm going to give this relationship 30 more days. It's like, you know what, boo-boo, you just, just take the rest of your time for yourself. End it now. So I gave him 30 days and everything in life was speaking to me. I, I get a lot of uh, messages through song. Song was speaking to me a lot. You need to leave this relationship. And and so I was like, okay, I'm going to. And I tried to. I ended it, stayed at a friend's. And then I returned to my house to get a bug out pack. And I was like, you have a couple weeks like to get out. This is my house. Like ultimately it was my house. The house was in my name, right? But a narcissist is also highly, they're typically highly intuitive and they definitely know where their food source is and what's going on with it. So he picked up that I was returning home and he took off work and showed up five minutes after I showed up while I'm packing this bag. And he sat me down on the bed and shut the door and forced me to listen to him for four hours straight. I couldn't leave. And I finally gave in. I said, okay, fine. I'll stay with you. So I went to get in the shower and I passed out. I've never passed out in my life before. Uh, still to this day, honestly, I don't know if he drugged me or if it was just spirit working through me and going like, this is, this is how bad this is. Um, but I woke up 16 hours later. And when I woke up, he was like, oh, everything's fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. I tried to do dishes. I put two plates away. Couldn't. Had to go back to sleep. I was so tired. And I was just laying there going, it's not fine. And when I get my energy back, I'm packing that freaking bug out bag and I'm getting the hell out of here. But in the meantime, it's almost like you're having to be with the perpetrator and like you can't physically move. Like it was a very strange place to be. I did inevitably get that bug out bag. I left, gave him two weeks, got out of my house. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next chapter of my journey began, which was what I consider my first wave of awakening. I hadn't known up until a little bit after 26 that there was truly like, I've always experienced joy, but it was a lot of heartache and it was a lot of strife and a lot of struggle. And I was just like, oh my God, have you seen the sky today? Like, this is also pretty common for people. They start seeing the sky in different color. Like it's really just, this, you're just coming online to life and to your soul and yourself. And I like, remember this moment of like seeing a water drop on a leaf. And I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, I can't even believe I've never seen this before. And I was crying tears of joy, like literally every day, almost for nine months, I was crying tears of joy. So I thought that's what bliss was. I started opening up to the new age and the new age at the time, it was the bliss revolution. And we're all going to live in bliss. We're going to leave our bodies and we're going to live in bliss. And I was like, well, some of that must be true because I'm living bliss. <laughs> of course, then I had to come back down, you know, and I had to do the deeper work inevitably. So um, about two years later, I had this guy from high school who kept coming to me in my dreams and he was leading me to something, right? I didn't know what it was, but he was leading me to something and he would like lead me to the thing and I would know I was there and then he would be gone. And I'm like, wait, why are we here? What did you bring me to? And this dream just kept happening over and over and over again. And at some point he had even said to me in the dream, Ashton, if you want a man like me, you're going to have to change the way you're doing things. So when I came out of my relationship, 
at 26, you got to think about this. I'd never really dated. So I just went like wildfire, <laughs> right? I was like, I'm going to date. I, I was sleeping with all kinds of men. Like I was just going freaking crazy. And I was also simultaneously using it as a way to start getting into astrology, which I'm not deep into, but I was using it as a way to learn. And, um, so having this dream, I was like, I got to find out what this is. And I'm messaging this guy and I know he's got to think I'm freaking crazy. Why is this chick messaging me? And I can't tell him, bro, you're showing up in my dreams and I need to know what you got from me. <laughs> and so finally it came to just one, this, this, this day, right? This like where I had actually dated a friend in between this time of like 10 years. And I just knew like, he wasn't the one for me. We broke up and I experienced heartache and I processed it. And then I was like, I need to know about this dream. So I came out of that grief and heartache process to ask him to lunch. And he actually said, yes. And so we went to this, this restaurant and, um, there was an event going on that, on that day. It's like a street chalk event, like street art. And because of that, there's this wait for the restaurant. So I was like, okay, I woke up that day. I was like, I'm going with nothing but the flow of the universe. Everywhere the universe wants to put me today is where I'm going to be. I don't care where, it put, like, that's where I'm going to be. And so I kind of was just going with it. I got there early at the time I was, I was still drinking in life and I had my box wine in the trunk and like, I'm just like doing my thing. And so I go to this, 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 you know, street talk thing and I'm looking around and there's this person that I know and she's like, Hey, do you want to hang out later? And I was like shocked <laughs> because we had rolled in different tribes for 10, 15 years together. But it was like one of those weird things where it's like a strong woman in the space. And then like, there's kind of this insecure kind of faux spiritual woman who gets like really rubbed wrong by the strong woman in the space. So like she would never want to hang out with me by ourselves, even though we knew each other for a really long time and kind of in a close knit ish way. And so when she asked me this, I was like, yes, absolutely. I will do that. We will hang out. And she had mentioned to me that her friend was drawing this jackalope. Like he was doing the street chalk thing too. And so I was like, okay, cool. So the guy who was in my dreams shows up. There's a wait at the restaurant. We end up walking and looking at the street chalk together and we go to the corner and it's the guy that was doing the jackalope. And I was like, Hey, we have a mutual friend. Just hello. Right. Don't really think anything of it. We go have lunch, me and this guy from high school. But there was all these synchronistic things that were happening the entire day. So afterwards, that guy, I was like, I've got a couple hours to kill. Do you, are you, do you happen to be going to disc golf? And he looks at me like, how did you know this? And I was like, I don't know. I just had a feeling you were going to be going to disc golf. Can I join you? I just want to go into nature and kill a couple hours. And he's like, sure. So right as he finishes like his 18 or whatever holes, we both get a call each from a friend, one from my roommate calling him and another from the chick calling me and both of them are like, where are you at? We want to meet you at the disc golf course. She shows up with the guy that was doing the jackalope drawing. And afterwards we all get dinner except for the guy from high school. So remember in my dreams, he kept bringing me to something, but then when I would get to the something, he would leave. What he had brought me to was this guy, I'm just going to call him Jay. 
And that night, everything put me and Jay together. Like everything. Like my roommate thought he was going to have a threesome. He's gone. <laughs> you know, like this other chick who, you know, tends to rub edges with me. She didn't like that me and this guy were talking, like not because we were trying to, but because literally the universe kept putting us next to each other. And she, she dips. So we were in this like really dark bar and I didn't know this until two weeks later when we had our first date, but I walked away from Jay to put some money in a jukebox and he's like, the whole room got dark. And he was like, wait, it's not the room that got dark. Like there was literally a light coming off of her and he's thinking, what is going on? So he just is following me like a moth to a flame. He has to know what's going on. And, uh, he was supposed to stay with the chick <laughs> that night that didn't really care for me. And she had just left. So he was like, Hey, to my roommate, can I stay with you? And he's like, you need to talk to my landlord. That's her. I was like, yes, you can stay with me. And the next day we got breakfast. I never thought I would see him again. It ends up being that we talk every day after that. And we had a massive activation, which I consider my second wave of awakening. So him and I being brought together, brought on extrasensory perceptions that I hadn't had my whole life. We were both experiencing them simultaneously. We were seeing orbs flying through the skies. We were feeling angelic presence. We were, you know, it's just life was coming alive and we were remembering ourselves. Now I know that because I'm remembering myself way further back at this point, um, me and him traveled the galactics, especially the, the Milky Way. He was a finder and I'm a code collector. And he would find lost relics, lost civilizations, and I would go with him and we would code collect all of these codes. And that was a part of my mission and my journey to actually getting to Gaia, to getting to Gaia, to bring her the code here. Like I consider myself an international code dealer. I'm all about the codes. I'm getting them codes. I'm dealing them codes constant. And so, you know, me and him coming together was a major, major activation for me. And that's truly what I consider to have begun my, my journey, like my, my awakening process. Um, and since then, I've discovered so much more about myself. I, rem I remember my, I'm here to remember myself throughout all time and space, the whole way. Like I'm trying to literally remember myself in, in its entirety and ground it here because that's what Gaia wants. And I want what Gaia wants. <laughs> so, um, yeah, me and him having that relationship was a major activation. And since then I've discovered that, you know, I'm the mother of new earth. I birthed the new earth container. This is pretty radical. Like people don't typically like hearing that because it's like, Ooh, you're too powerful of a creator. Or like I'm, I'm a contributor to that. And I'm like, yes, we're all contributors that this is my contribution. I created the, the ex, the next level field, the toradial field and container that is holding new earth that holds Gaia. I'm a major anchor for that. I birthed it. I had to travel. I had to build energetic structures. I had to travel all the way from the time I was a planet, planet and a planetary system to reach her with this divine plan in mind. And so I have definitely grown and amassed in myself and who I truly am here to be an immensely powerful creator, which is also why I help evolutionary beings come into their true power because we're told that we're not allowed to be the totality of who we are. We're told that we're not allowed to be actually how powerful we really are. And I'm like, 
fuck that. You're going to be exactly who you are and who you are always meant to be. And you're going to remember yourselves and you're going to become even more powerful than your soul even knows. So yeah, that's, that's my part of my journey. <laughs> well, that's what's up. Um, I mean, I can ask a whole shit to the questions. It's funny because, um, and I don't need to go off on myself really, but uh, well, I'll tell you about this later. We can go down other things, but it's like divine activations from a person I wouldn't have thought it was true. Definitely true. Orbs, uh, Kundalini activation, the whole nine yards is pretty gnarly shit. And it's funny because I did it's not like I um I don't feel like you know um in the X Files it's like I want to believe. It's like I was never looking in a sense for this stuff, and it's just, it's just the truth kind of like an onion reveals itself further and further as we go down the collective dream or whatever's going on. So um, not that it makes when, any difference, but yeah, agreed. These are things you can experience yourself and they can happen unexpectedly. It just requires some openness or some willingness, desire to experience openness. And uh, yeah, you know, that's the fun part, I guess, about the journey of exploration, you know, to also have find some joy and some unexpected surprises. Go on, Jim. Oh, no, feel free to interrupt or not even interrupt. Talk, talk freely and go down any rabbit holes, any tangents. It's not no shit to me. I'm a Gemini, 11th house, son of a minute. So it's like, yeah, let's talk about all the weird stuff. Um, I'm curious if um, you were talking about being gaslit your whole life and kind of dealing with the fog. At what point did you start? I mean, there's a difference between kind of being in the huh, in the trenches and being like, holy shit, this is war versus like kind of being like, um, not a Buddha, but like more accepting of the thing. Be like, all right, I asked for that. These are the things, whether they chose to react with the situation, you know, is up to their Dharma or however one wants to couch this. Um, how long were you very bitter about that growing up in kind of a hectic situation or did you get over that pretty quick? I mean, obviously you severed and jumped um, from one ship to another kind of dysfunctional situation. It seems, did you, I mean, given all your Capricorn, it's like you've asked for the fucking hard, hardest, gauntlet probably here um did you how did you deal with bitterness and uh you know disillusionment with that and and uh anything well i'm just going to kind of go bucket list down or not bucket list but go down the bullet points as they hit me it's like all right so you came from some pretty traumatic stuff how long were you dealing and kind of that kind of identity um and how did you transmute that mm -hmm. yeah so i think it's really important to notate here that i'm an advanced soul i've been with gaia for a long time and i've also been around like i consider myself an og of creation so i've been around the block around the block around the block um in my many lifetimes here you know that's an advantage yeah that means the journey levels up too <laughs> um but it's also an advantage so it was really traumatic you know, my younger years, it was really traumatic. I tried to find solutions, for example, like in psychology and like understanding human behavior. Um, but ultimately that kind of hit not a dead end. It just can't take you but so far. So I have an undergraduate degree in psychology and I nearly completed a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. But Destiny was like, hey, your work, baby girl, <laughs> it's not going to be able to do. It's going to extend beyond what this space can provide right so like so coming in as an old soul but then also becoming educated around human behavior through my ability i have an ability to travel consciousness which i didn't also know when i was younger but it's also helped me as well as been challenging <laughs> because i was traveling down rabbit holes like of 
disassociative identity disorder and other people that were around me. And I was like, do I have this? No, I was traveling it. And I'm so present when I'm traveling something that that got confusing. So kind of what I'm bringing in is that there's advantages of being an advanced soul coming in and there can kind of be these challenges and disadvantages because our world isn't reflecting back to us like our true power and like what we're really doing. It's something of self-discovery that we have to go on in our own mastery. Um, so like I still have things where I'm like, I don't want to call it butthurt. I'm sorrowful about it, right? Like, like I was not seen as a child. And I still, if you look at my Facebook, I will, I talk about my vulnerable spots. I talk about my humanity. And one of my things is like, I'm not seen. I'm not seen. I'm not seen. When you are- isn't Gemini. So it's like your wound is going to have to do with your childhood for sure. A thousand percent. And it also, this is where void becomes longing, where like challenge becomes purpose. Because I have so I have that stellium in the fourth house. So, you know, house, mother, right? Mother of new earth. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm building the house. <laughs> you have, I also have a north node in Taurus, which ours will be activated. I don't know exactly what degree this summer. Um, my midheaven and Venus are 10th or 9th house, depending on Placidus or whole sign. But you've got a north node in 8th house, uh, Taurus, which is pretty intense shit. So, yeah, you're here for the transformation. You're here for the... Uh, act shift you want to put it that way it's like act two to act three or whatever so um yeah i mean I, I i don't really speak that language i'm not against it but i'm not like new earth i'm not really always talking that way but it's like that's in your chart clearly so uh mm -hmm. props to that um were you coming from were they was your family like atheistic or agnostic or high park or christian or what was the kind of template of uh beyond just their mental kind of dysfunctions in your mind um or your experience or whatever what was the ontological kind of presupposition like what was the worldview you were being given and how did that jive with what you were experiencing and yeah how did you overcome that i am very grateful to say that i did not grow up in any kind of religious household um it wasn't atheist either it was just kind of nothingness of sorts i explored on my own i had other family members like i was given like a old testament what was that precious precious moments Bible. And I remember being like, okay, well, let me like read into this. And it said something about like something really derogatory about women. And I just shut the fucking book and was like, I'm done with it. I'm the fierce, I'm the fierce feminine. Yeah, like right. I am a true divine feminine embodiment. So even at nine years old, reading something like that, I would go, that is not the way I know what I'm meant for even when I don't fully know what I'm meant for. So I'm really glad that I didn't have any kind of like real religious upbringing, but my mom did. She was brought up in a church and my grandma is still occupying that now. She's, you know, watching the TV shows and throwing the money at the guy on the TV still to this day. Um, but it, but it wasn't a part of my experience. If I had any kind of cultural thing that I, that I think is important and I like to mention is that I, I was born in PG County, Maryland, and PG County, Maryland had a really big shift. So uh, they took a lot of the apartments and they turned it into public housing and it's really close to DC. So there was this huge shift in the environment. And this meant that the elementary school that I went to, like 
I thought that I was a minority because most of the students were black students. And what is so freaking beautiful about this, and I'm so grateful for it to this day, is one, I got to experience a sort of reverse kind of a reversal, right? Like I got to get this beautiful, juicy perspective. But also what we did at research or re at recess was dance and chant. There were circles. And I was able to take what one of the things that I find to be the most beautiful about black culture is that it's maintained the body and movement and dance and soul. And this is something that for me in like the grid work that I do, I do it while moving my body, while dancing. I channel while dancing. Before sessions, I dance. And I could have never known how important that element was going to be for me. And I appreciate Black culture so freaking much. One, for real talk and realness, because I'm all about it. And two, body and music. Like, you go to you know, like ghettos, hoods, whatever you want to call it. And you're going to see people dancing down the streets. It's, it's so freaking beautiful. Whereas like a lot of white people, they're like not willing to be like that. They're not willing to be in their body like that. They're not willing to express like that. Like it's like a shame thing. And I learned that it wasn't a shame thing. I did have to get rid of some of the programming that it was a shame thing, but it, 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 it brought me into the essence of dance and connectivity to spirit, which is massive in the work that I do. We've talked about this before, uh, Raphael and I, and somebody else, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who, but we were like, you know, like Scandinavian, uh, Northern European kind of cultures tend to be kind of closed off emotionally more. Um, I mean, they'll be nice or whatever to family and friends, but if you go to like Norway or something like that, um, the way in which and maybe it's like a whole Protestant work ethic thing where it's like winter's coming and we got to save and there's no time to play around. Whereas people from like more equatorial, uh, I'm in the, you know, Costa Rica right now and everyone's just really friendly and open and physical. Um, and we were wondering at some point if like that had to do just with like scarcity and abundance perspectives and genetic kind of like inheritance at that level. Um, I mean, these are all speculations. I'm not an expert by any means. Uh, and it's funny that you said that about um, kind of the, you know, trading places kind of mode for your childhood. Um, I, when I was, I don't even know, I guess 21, um, I went up to Germantown. I was living out in Villanova um, near Philly and I was working with city year, which is like an AmeriCorps kind of offshoot. It's kind of like Peace Corps, but domestic. And I was working in like an elementary school, all these uh, in Germantown, which is like the hood, as you would put it, like bumping into guns on the bus and being like, Oh my God. Um, and all these uh, black kids would touch my hair and be like, do you own slaves and shit? And I was just like culture shocked. I was like, holy tits. Like they're just, uh, it was, it was eye opening to say the least. So it sounds like you had kind of a, um, like the, uh, how would I even put it? There's color and sauce and soul. I mean, you know, not to be too cliche, uh, in these, um, ethnic groups that it's not that white people don't have Asians or Northern Europeans or whatever. I think it just manifests a little differently, probably because of climate conditions and maybe scarcity and resources and stuff. I don't need to go off too much. It's not like, oh my gosh. I mean, we're all kind of exactly what we need to be, I guess. Um, it's funny though, because there's a, a documentary. I don't know much about Maryland. I've been to the Baltimore Aquarium a few times, but it's like, it always kind of seemed like just a city to like, you know, Greyhound through on the way up the East Coast or whatever from Virginia. Um, and uh, there's a really good documentary we saw while at AmeriCorps 
um, called Boys of Barack. You're saying that you're not all into films, but there's it's a good documentary about um, some boys from uh, like middle school African American boys who were from Baltimore, Bmore, and they got flown over to I guess Africa and some like serious like uh, you know get back in touch with your roots like Kenya, you know climb the mountain kind of stuffs. And um, you'd probably like it. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's it's cool that you've had that experience. Not everybody has the whole culture shock flip kind of inside out mode where um, one can see how the other half live, so to speak. And that's a blessing. And it's kind of jarring because you start realizing how programmed everybody is. It just the buck keeps on, you know, the, the baton of culture keeps on being passed on perpetually, it seems. And between language and, um, you know, genetics and all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, as Terrence McKenna would say, culture's not our friend. It's the mode by which through we uh, operate. So it's like our operating system, like Apple, you know, Android, whatever. Um, but we're so much more than that. So it's kind of an interesting uh, point you had to say. Rafael, did you want to say something? I just saw you pop up on the screen, but maybe I'm tripping. Uh, yeah, no, the connection is working well enough. So yeah, of course, generally speaking, I think having any type of minority perspective early on is... I think greatly beneficial probably depends on your astrology chart your human design and so on like how much you can jive with it but also for me there were different levels on which i would have been minority and it's i guess great to get to terms with it in the one hand to understand like you said maybe another culture but also to understand if i understood correctly what you said to you yourself being the minority perceive the whatever it doesn't mean you're treated badly or anything but just what is it like what does it look like if for whatever reason here and here and here i'm distinctly different than the majority of my classmates or whatever yeah and then the other thing i was just wondering about just kind of as a joke but still like is it racist to say that uh black uh ethnically black how we would call it dark-skinned individuals or particular ethnic association potentially are on average you know better at dancing or not and it's kind of like a joke but the other thing it makes me think of is i think epigenetically and so on with the food there's actually the big question even if i just move to a different country i'm in a different climate for two generations i eat different food does it already change myself so much you know so if it is true that there would be a slight deviation to say scandinavians for whatever reason don't easily dance so much at random like someone living in the caribbean or something yeah Anyhow, it's, I think it's interesting uh, to observe and ultimately just to appreciate or ideally, of course, to integrate the most positive qualities of all of them because you can be anything, of course, and you are everything, right? But yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting. And other than that, I just wanted to say my two main dance teachers as a teenager were the local state master for Electric Boogie, who was like a white blonde guy, and a Haitian uh, dancer who taught me like African dances, really awesome, you know, and different style and so on, but, you know, put it together, you make it your own. It's great fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, it's a great point of, and this is something Oh, I believe now Ashton is breaking up. I think you're fine, Jim, but... Uh oh. Oh, maybe it's here, maybe it's there. Let's try to re-enable this, but this is stuck. Word. So what I'll it's do? It's funny because living in Honolulu, it was like twenty percent white people for two years, and I got, got kind of used to being the minority. So it's it's interesting to have happen. Uh, even here, it's like gringos are not common, even though there's a lot of expats here. Um, in any event, what's the status? Well, yeah, ideally, maybe right, Ashton. Just that she rejoins. I removed her now, so she notices, hopefully, and just re rejoin the link, and we should be fine. 
I thought you're the one who's remote, We're, but you know, there's different levels yeah, of remote. Like it's such a, there's this like five second glitch delay. I feel like I'm listening. They go down the rabbit hole literally in the Matrix film, um, and it's pixelated kind of like Daft Punky sounding when he's turning all liquid mercury. That's basically what my, my feed's like. So I'm happy that I hear any like any cogent, uh, coherent English that I hear is is really a blessing in disguise, I guess. Um, but it's funny. I mean, it's a new moon and Aries, sun is in Aries, Mercury's in Aries, Chiron's in Aries right now for everybody. So we're activating quite a bit of uh, energy right now. It's not terribly surprising that maybe given her uh, persona, um, gifts and stuff and who you are and who I am, maybe this is just a hot, hot channel, hot day, hot day. So I'll shut the fuck up. Um, yeah. I can't even tell. Yeah, if she's back or not. No, the thing is, I think she's back, but the camera is still stuck. So I'm not sure exactly what you could write her or tell her. Um, oh, okay. Okay, okay. I'll uh, say just hit rejoin. Just re refresh or something. Connect. Yeah, but refresh again. <laughs> yeah, it will be fine. Just not get her one freeze frame, you know, it's not. <laughs> okay, and this looks good. And we're back. Oh, no. We're back. We're, we're back, Ashton, if you can hear us. Now she left on her own volition. Yeah. Well. Well, everyone listening, this is what happens for on a, on a live show. The picture for me is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how no, we get it? No, we're good. I'm sure the reconnection will work. Yeah. Right people now. in North America, people in uh, Central America. Word. All right. I think we're back. I think you're good. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. I thought I plugged in and uh, I only did it in my laptop and not on the floor. So I just died out here. That's also always a good one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> thought I was on top of it. No, not quite. <laughs> um, so if I want to jump back in. Of course. Okay, cool. So what I was saying is that something that's really important to me but I think it's also culturally important or collectively important, let's say, is that we, we understand that each, just like each individual, each collective kind of culture brings something tremendously masterful and unique. And so when we can extract the things like isolate the strengths, then we all get to benefit. We all then can integrate those things into our, into our tapestry, into our personal tapestry. So like neurodiversity is also a great example of this. Um, I, I actually learned and received codes. I didn't even know it until much later on in my life from, um, I would say like high spectrum, probably, right? Individual, I don't know her background, but she was a neighbor of mine. What it really was to be telepathic. I actually learned that, how to travel the quantum field from people who are high spectrum neuro neurodiversity. They are holding down the quantum field. They are holding down the telepathic grid. 
And people undermine these people as though then they're disabled, like something is wrong with them. Why are we not looking at what is so freaking right about them? Because there's mastery in everyone. So I loved, Raphael, that you kind of, you brought that in. You know, you brought that that in to this conversation. And it's, I think it's really important for us to start acknowledging these things instead of looking at things constantly as a deficit to be looking for strength, to be looking for mastery. And ultimately in a way also to understand that, you know, if, if it truly is, you know, a holographic fractalized reality, you know, I could go off on a tangent now, but you know, basically everyone else in some sense is an aspect of yourself, ultimately within the one mind of God, self-contained. And uh, also the idea, at least to me, it makes obvious sense, you know, why we all brought together all the different, even ethnicities, which we call different races, you know, here people could then start arguing, you know, what degree of difference means what, but it's pretty obvious, you know, at least all the humanoids, but actually I would also include all the animals and the dolphins and everything, you know, why are we here together? Because there is something we can contribute together to an ecosystem and also to a positive growth. And it's only this, you know, insanity of illusion, whatever Piscean, H, Kali Yuga, whatever it is exactly, um, that brought us to a point where we see each other in competition. Well, it would be obvious that there is plenty resources, plenty knowledge, plenty skill sets, different preferences even, you know. Um, and if we bring all of that together, you know, there is absolute abundance, you know. And we can fulfill all the skills, each according, you know, how you say, each according to the preference and to their skill set and um, to the best fit in a sense. You know, if again, we don't see each other as enemies anymore or are envious of each other's skills or something, just appreciate and support accordingly. I think it would be very simple, actually. So this is where we're going. I very sincerely hope so. <laughs> it is where we're going. Got a few kicks. It is where we're going. Themes. Yeah. A lag in terms of just the soda climb. I mean, I think once you've had an awakening at some level, whether whatever that's like uh, individually, um, this is when the whole Namaste thing kicks off. I don't know. It's really hard. Uh, probably just Gemini life where it's like, duality lovers card you know i definitely see other as um real like I don't, I don't just like immerse myself in the whole thing and just say like oh, i'm in a soup of myself like carl Jung would say accurate um like is this archetypal soup of just kind of like wrong word but it's like an energy uh, confluence of all the dynamics of possibility and uh it's funny because the other night i had this crazy dream where it was almost like um i keep dropping all these movie references and now that you've said i don't watch that many movies movies i'm like oh shit i don't know if you'll get this but in harry potter fyi um and the, some of the movies there's one where uh basically they touch all the golden gringots or whatever this bank and it just starts multiplying and it was this more was like oh if i touch this person they turn into like an infinite fractal of these people and i guess when i woke up i was like i guess that's how we're all here it's like this massive diversification through expansion <laughs> um and maybe there was a few things at first and then just kind of like you know infinitely grew from there and it, it's it's interesting because um i have a few other questions about you know what did you study in psychology all that kind of stuff around it's whatever but i'm kind of curious we've talked a little about ethnicity stuffs but given the occasion i can only speak so well on that um i'm glad that we have some kind of um diversification i guess courses in life but um in terms of masculine and feminine dynamics uh given the fact that you're saying um you're about like new earth and divine feminine kind of new 2.0 um what's your impression in terms of uh femininism toxic femininity 
uh, toxic masculinity. Where are we trying to go with this? Because it seems the pendulum keeps swinging and um, we tend to overcorrect. So, you know, I guess at some point, maybe, you know, like the Puritans left because, uh, you know, they're doing this hardcore thing and then people react and then not all of a sudden it's Bacchanalian craziness and Dionysian, you know, bloodlust or whatever the crazy it's just i mean those are different times but you see my point it's kind of doing this back and forth how do you look at the process of um like the lover's card the alchemy of the poles and and where we're trying to go wow. with all this yeah it's integration it's it's we just keep jumping from one i call it polarity jumping we just jump from one pole to the other pole and we're doing it in the exact same programming under the same programming. So it's just the same programming seemingly reversioned. But what we're trying to get returned to is original creation. Like masculine and feminine are simply energetics of creation expressed. And so when it comes to masculine and feminine integration because we'll see like for example i'll go on and on about these polarity coaches out here <laughs> they're 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 just preaching patriarchy there's just patriarchy it's the exact same thing again reversioned and called conscious but it's not so like i'm going to give an example Polarity coaching will say the feminine, what she needs to do is she needs to submit. See, the masculine leads. What they're not understanding is that the feminine is leading right now. The feminine is the vessel. She is the chalice, which, by the way, I want to be really clear. I've not read things on these topics. This is through lived experience. That's where I'm coming from. So and just my journey, like what I'm meant to be in this world, right? So she is the vessel. She receives divinity here, breathing, living through her, her to create the next evolution. So like, just like a woman, you know, brings in a physical soul, she's bringing in divinity. She's bringing in something that's a non-physical form into a physical form. And that doesn't just apply to a baby that doesn't just apply to a physical form that applies to consciousness <laughs> she receives the source code she receives the codes of the next evolution of where we're going and she's been creating this like bubble like if you think like toroidal field she's been creating bubbles and bubbles and bubbles filled with this evolutionary experience and then requesting the masculine to step in step into that container Step into the evolutionary bubble <laughs> that she's providing and she's inviting. She's inviting him in and inviting him in and inviting him in. And a lot of men are missing it because they're going, I lead. How can she provide me the bubble? That's the next evolution. That means she's leading. You're co-creating. If you take out like what Raphael was saying, competition, then there becomes co-creation and collaboration. And so the feminine being the vessel has been receiving the codes for the new way. And she's been literally weaving in her divine web because she creates in between all the things, right? She's the unseen. He's the seen. She's the non-tangible. He's the tangible. And so she really is leading. And actually what's more true than the feminine needs to cement is the masculine needs to surrender. Because what has been happening 
is that the feminine has been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed down by patriarchy. So it's like men on top, woman on bottom. Woman's voice, nope, you need to suppress it. You can't express it. So she's been literally pushed into what I call the suppression realms, but you can also look at it from a dimensional point of being as well. From third dimension to second dimension to one, what comes after one is zero. That's source. And then she's resurrecting back up. This is what feminine initiation is. She, the woman, a woman is called into the void. She's called into the suppression realms. She, and we all are, by the way. I'm saying this as a feminine because it's just like the expression of it and how the energy is kind of moving through in the physicalized form more commonly. But really, I'm speaking to them as energetics. So the feminine has been called into her initiations going down 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 into the subconscious realms the suppression realms she's been pushed down there and and it, these are the unseen realms unseen realms are magic realms unseen realms are creation realms and so then she's been resurrecting back up to surface with what pure source code she keeps evolving over and over and and then the masculine again she's bringing the code to surface he's been up she's been down now she goes up. What happens? He goes down. The evolutionary process is flipping, but it's flipping to create integration. So the, the feminine is now being called, you need to be more connected to the cosmos because Gaia needs you to bring in the code from the galactics. And the masculine, we need you to go down into the suppression realms because you got things to clean up because you haven't been going into those initiations like she has. And then when you both meet in this realm, <laughs> we have a sacred figure eight. And in that sacred figure eight, we are creating the new way. We're no longer diminishing the feminine as being weak. He is strong. She is weak. What, is, what does that mean when the feminine's been going down to the void? You've been to the void? Because <laughs> you're going to get your courageous pants on if you're going to go down the void. Really, you're going to be stripped raw and naked, down to nothingness. And you, in the, the deeper you, the more you can let go, the more you can surrender, the more divinity can take over. And that's what she's been learning. She's been learning that process. And he is being called to learn that process now, too, so that they can meet in this beautiful calibration of equilibrium that's also co-creation in the sacred figure eight. So I can't give an example off the top of my head. Examples don't always come to me unless I'm in like transmission and channel and it just comes naturally. But what I'm trying to say is that there's a cross in the sacred figure eight. If you look at an eight flipped horizontally and then you take like a, a, a T of sorts, but don't think a T, think more like it's equal, right? Parts vertical to horizontal. There's a center point. Each is a part of the other, and yet it's expressed differently. So I'm a feminine lead. My feminine leads and my masculine follows. There's a masculine lead and the feminine follows. And then the two come together and they create together. Each again is a part of the other. We've been going each in competition to the other, each in hierarchical comparison to the other. 
rather than embracing the truth of mastery and evolution and where we're at and what's been happening and then how we can like if you look at a polarity spectrum and you go if she's been going into the descend over and over and over probably is about time that he does that and then she's going to take on a new role that has been similar to his but it's different because she's now occupying that space in a different way but everyone's getting a little bit of everything but it's coming out expressed differently because again it comes out expressed differently if the feminine is leading versus the masculine is leading in your own composition what do you Does see the cause of necessity yeah yeah totally i mean to the best of you know i'm, I'm gonna, um especially because you know uh i have a lot of cancer i mean i'm a gemini but i have a lot of cancer and taurus uh in my chart my uh counterpart is like a first house mars heavy you know scorpio moon virgo conjunct jupiter so kind of what you're talking about, where it's like, okay, I've got to, I guess I have to, uh, we're figuring out how to balance. I'm wondering what you think, and Raphael, feel free to chime in, in terms of the cause and necessity of this, because sometimes you're like, oh, women have been pushed down. Is like, I've I've heard somewhere, and I don't want to presume so much, but it's like women, it's not even so much submitted, but the feminine said, I will, you know, like in Christianity, it says, therefore, before the grace, before the grace of God, he went on the cross or whatever. It's like, I understand this is going to be a real hard process, but the gold on the other side of this transmutation is worth it. So I'm going to go through this crazy birthing canal. And this is weird because I'm not saying it justifies anything. It kind of just makes more sense. It makes no victims in a weird way. Well, even I, if we take it I symbolically. Think issues, um, with, I guess, the modern age or whatever is there's a lot of, um, obviously, identity politics kind of victimization and that's true point but then if we kind of pull back from at a further degree like Raphael kind of has uh, inculcated in me largely from his kind of Bashar um, all is one modality which I'm coming from a kind of more conservative Christian background personally um, thanks psychedelics for cracking my spine and head open uh, but it seems that uh, it's all good in, in a weird way and that that's weird because it kind of takes the teeth out of the ferocity of um these kind of battlegrounds and i want to know how you feel about that because on the one hand battle cry and it's like okay things like i don't even know if it's real but um joan of arcs or whatever right like these kind of amelia Earhart type counter cultural feminine energies that are i mean you could say more masculine i guess but um i mean it words kind of fail at some level but like there's there's a general zeitgeist and then there's like punctuation points that happen and eventually it's like the hundredth monkey then it's like oh women can wear pants it's normal now and I'm wondering, um, how do you identify that process without overly identifying with it? I guess my point is, because I think yeah. sometimes people are like, well, I'm just a fucking victim. And fuck, I mean, that's when, that's when things don't, you know, uh, when, when bridges aren't built um, from that center point, that zero point of the, uh, Lamonsgate, the infinite symbol, uh, the eight on its side, it becomes very difficult. I mean, you know, um, there's, I haven't read it, but there's a good book, I guess, called exclusion and embrace um by a christian philosopher and he was basically like apartheid and just race relations in south africa were crazy until basically both white you know dutch kind of uh ancestors or whatever white people were like we're sorry we did this and acknowledging it fully while at the same time um the african uh south african population wasn't just being like perpetuating the i'm a victim mode like they were like all right we'll forgive you like it, it's you know it's kind of a both ways anyway i've got a ranting but anything you guys either either of when you say uh want to say to that effect um, I'm just kind of curious. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just always curious how people are processing the necessity of these dynamics where it's like in a good story, you need tension and release. And, you know, like it seems at least we've been telling ourselves the spells of we need drama and tension and dynamics and stuff to have an interesting story. Um, and I guess that's why it's all playing out down here just for the sake of novelty or uh, yeah. Any, anything you guys want to say on that effect? 
Yeah, so imbalance is in service to balance. Malevolence is always in service to benevolence because creation itself is benevolent. So when you understand that, you don't become disempowered. You stay in truth. So some of what I'm hearing you speak to, for example, is like the damsel. The damsel in distress, for example, right? That's the disempowered state of the feminine. And then she goes, I must polarity jump and I must become patriarchy embodied <laughs> because I must be man in order to be value. And this is inaccurate. It's under the same guise of the old programming. So it's doing the same dance. It's just doing it in a different way, but it's the exact same thing. So I want to come back just for one moment here because I realized, oh, yeah, I do have a great, um, it's even a code. So it's a coding of what it really means to be masculine, have masculine and feminine and, and true integrative, higher element and balance and co-creative sacred figure eight structure. I say, it's the woman of wisdom, the man of heart. Why? Because the woman has been occupying like heart, which is like connectivity and family, right? And man has been occupying more mental body, right? Mind. But really what happens is when the feminine does her deeper initiations, which means she goes down. Whenever you go down, you must come up. Whenever you go up, you must go down. It's just like this is just patterns in creation. And it's also part of evolutionary process because it's patterns in creation. So she, and I'm saying she because I've literally lived this and walked this too, she descends to resurrect up. What did I find when I found the ancient severed feminine within? Well, I found the woman of wisdom. Because what happened was I realized, oh my gosh, I can access all of the cosmos. I can literally just invite it. <laughs> I can just call it in with my feminine invitation and I can receive it. I have access to all of that. All of that opened up to me. That's doing the deeper integrative work, right, of the feminine. And then the masculine, he descends from mind and the mental programming. I mean, patriarchy is vastly mental programming. That's why we're like, feel like we're constantly fighting the mind because that's where patriarchy has really invested itself. That patriarchal programming is just and looping, 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 looping. Uh, brain stuff. Uh, I mean, it gets really tricky. We'll get into psychology in a second because even the structures of the brain are not different, like dramatically. But I think a lot of the patriarchal, I mean, the toxic masculinity we're talking about, like you know, oh, let's go be an army and go take over those people. That's coming from a very reptilian um, amygdala kind of place where it's like, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta kill you or else I'm fucked. That kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's just one thing I'd like to mention in regards to brain physiology, if this is correct, and everyone look it up yourself. But it's an interesting idea that to the degree that we can say there are two halves of the brain and one is associated more, let's say, with linear ideas or with creative holistic uh, concepts, probably also this is not so simple, but just generically speaking, then some graphic or something I saw one time, which made perfect sense to me, is almost like the divine in a sense, you know, is entering through the let's say female brain hemisphere and then it's bridging to the male hemisphere which is more uh the yeah funnily also in this example would be the more earthbound aspect 
and if the circuit works correctly, you know, in a way you put it, the, f the feminine leads because technically it's the it receives the order earlier, the feminine aspect within each one, of course, and then the masculine, the mind could execute. Um, but th this is also where we have, of course, the issue with all kinds of, you know, cultural conditioning, trauma, programming, resets, craziness, um, that there's all kinds of hijacking going on and so on. But usually you can tell, just like I said, the patriarchy is usually the mind-based side. That's where you then sever the bridge and then you can kind of hijack kind of artificial intelligence, you know, social media algorithm controlled herd mentality. And you can, you know, um, steer a population, let's say. So the whole idea is, of course, reconnect the bridge, you know, and, you know, make this whole thing happen. But I just wanted to bring up an analogy where the female leads in terms of aspect also makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And what's so perfect about this, too, is left side brain actually connects to right side body and vice versa. It's literally a sacred figure eight. Again, the sacred figure eight is a, it is creation itself. That's how it moves. So this is what I'm really speaking to. This is another grounded example of what I'm saying. Masculine and feminine integrated in co-collaboration with the harmonics of creation. So we want to return to what creation shows us. It shows us left brain, connects to right side of body and right brain connects to the left side of body. This is also all connects. It's like micro to macro patterns. When I'm saying feminine lead masculine, masculine lead feminine and doing this dance between the two. So thank you so much for bringing in the brain because it gives us an imprint of the truth on our body, how it works physiologically on our body. And so I also want to return a little bit just to the masculine with heart, right? So, so he, he does the deeper work of moving through those mental programs that keep him in an e false power, which is patriarchy, false ego, because there is healthy ego. Some people say kill the ego. I don't agree with that. There is healthy identity. Your true self is actually healthy ego when you're embodying your true self that is healthy ego so it's like those structures that have been act that have been leading the masculine have been actually taking his life force patriarchy takes everyone's life force it's a feeding frenzy but it's actually taken the masculine out of his lead he he does self-lead but if his life is determined by patriarchy telling him he needs to be productive in this particular way, right? Then he's going to be kind of not, he's not leading his life anymore. The direction of programming is leading his life now. It's for him to come back into his right, his divine rights to his own mind, but to clear that programming, to deepen into truth, to then be the man of truth, to hold the sword of truth, and the man who holds the sword of truth is one who too deepens into his heart because he needs the integration of his mind and his heart in order to be fully whole within himself. That's, again, integration, the sacred figure eight. And I'm speaking to this, to the masculine and some of his work to deepen into his reconnecting to himself and reconnecting to life around him because in his higher element, he cares for all of life. 
He leads by caring for all of life. He leads by creating the structures in this world that come from her divine inspiration and invitation. He stands in truth and integrity. How can the masculine stand in truth and integrity if he can't stand and rest inside of his own body? And this is why circumcision is a thing. Because they need to take, they need to take the masculine away from his body immediately to try to occupy his body, to occupy his life force. They have to literally traumatize the dissociation. One of the main, main, one of the main kind of things that are um, an outcome or outcome of early medical trauma is dissociation. So they're literally trying to traumatize souls and babies and innocents and take their, their selfhood and their body and disembody them and turn them into dissociative slave labor. The feminine has in a way had an advantage of being on the bottom <laughs> because then she doesn't have the illusion that she's on the top. And then she's not going to hold on to the illusion that she's on the top. But this is something that the programming of patriarchy teaches men and embeds it so deeply into even their bodies and their soul bodies. It is horrible. It's horrific. So, you know, when you're asking about like, how do I not like, how do I for even not be bitter or how, how do I not take this as like a competition or like I'm viewing all this from a, a healthy healing, total complete and wholeness perspective. I see the masculine's destruction from patriarchy. I don't deny that. I see the feminine's destruction. I see the earth plane's destruction from patriarchy. All of us are impacted by it. It's the ways in which that energy has moved through us, which actually moves through the energetics of masculine and feminine to occupy us. So we have similar ways of evolving and we have different, it's like different directions that the energy moves in. This is why I work it sounds kind of interesting. I think a lot of people are like, really, you work with like 50, 50 men and women. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Cause I speak on part of the feminine a lot. I work with men to retrieve their selfhood, to, to retrieve their body. And I, and I work with them with masculine energetics. I can break it down the Torah rodeo field to masculine and feminine energetics. It brings you back to creation itself. It brings you back into truth, it brings you back into your energetic harmonized body. So like, we're not going to go, this is the perpetrator and this is the victim and this is the savior because it's a codependent triangle and codependency is literally patriarchy. It is, it is the dynamic of patriarchy. So we don't go man, bad, perpetrator, feminine, damsel, victim. No, but we do acknowledge actuality. We do acknowledge how, how each part and gender and even has been impacted by the whole thing. And then we return to our power. And some of the key things to returning to our power here is one, not falling into the codependent di dynamic because that's going to be a triangle of disempowerment. And two, remembering sovereignty, remembering selfhood. Because if you're sovereign, it doesn't require, you don't require a victim. Because being a perpetrator requires a victim to exist. But if you're sovereign, you don't require those things to exist. 
you get to exist in your selfhood just because you exist. You get to return to your wholeness just because it's your birthright, because it's the truth. If I may say so, some of the things you just said may, for many different reasons among many belief systems, be quite contentious and unpopular. But in my very simple understanding and you know, decision of positive polarity within this life and therefore reverence for naturally occurring life as natural as we may deem it, um, I would put, you know, whether male or female uh, mutilation on exactly the same level. In any case, I would generally advise against it or any beauty operations for that matter. Um, there's other ways to reshape your body and so on, if that's what anyone wants. Don't even want to talk about doing that uh, to someone who cannot consent to it. And I completely agree with what you said. And I just want to point out the, let's say, hypocrisy of the of the system or however you want to call it. There is one very famous, originally, I don't want to say it wrong now, but Kenyan or suddenly African actress, model, by the name of Waris Deary, if you maybe had heard of her or not. She wrote this book called Desert Flower which basically is about genital female genital mutilation and you know the horrors of it and you know not you know not nice and we got to read it in school in english class and she's kind of famous she moved to vienna and uh, yeah you know big deal and then recently if this is correct from what i saw the reports she had a son and he, she lets him be circumcised and was kind of like yeah it's normal it's okay whatever and i'm like and she's very popular and you know, she, she's on the, like the highest level of, you know, having a reach and so on. And I'm like, wow, she gets all the awards and so on. And then you have this kind of attitude. I mean, it doesn't compute in my mind, you know, how this is possible. Um, but yeah, so thank you for, for bringing it up in a sense. And um, the other interesting part you mentioned about the reintegration, just like with the divine aid, you know, between heart and mind in this case. Also, the terms you used in terms of heart and wisdom, I could translate to uh, love and wisdom, which then in the terminology of uh, Law of One by uh, Ra uh, would actually be fourth and fifth density. And here it's particularly interesting, just like you said, the mind has to kind of evolve, integrate, but reintegrate with the heart to get the proper connection to the divinity. And the divine feminine has to reaccess or claim sovereignty in a sense over the brain because the heart is the stronger magnetic field, uh, rearrange the order and the stomach, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so the system can work again. And of course, we can talk about it in the sense of group dynamics. It will be different for everyone, but most certainly it's an individual alchemical internal process. And then we can be sovereign, like you said. And for me also, this is very much the requirement, not only for actually a healthy and thriving relationships, whether traditional family relationships or any other love, friendship, whatever, cooperation. Um, and also, if we ever were to actually interact with different kinds of beings, and I'm starting with the dolphins here, because we can see them and know they're like for real, real, but also any others, this type of integration will be an absolute requirement. And also, what always comes up to me, and there are reports of not only steamships, but also all kinds of strange UFO stuffs, not only in Vedic scriptures, but 1850s Germany. And so this is all old stuff. But in my mind, on some level, any kind of advanced technology that is, let's say, positively and non-destructive and would allow us to travel or whatever, or create energy and so on, in my mind, obviously also would require this emotional balancing and integration to properly function. 
I'm not sure why I have this image, but it's it's very clear to me. And I think this is, in a sense, on a grander scale, also why we are again being put through the meat grinder and the trigger game now at the very last degrees of Pisces. Because if we don't get to that level, anyhow, we can't build a civilization with or without awesome technology and aliens. doesn't matter. But if we don't have that, we cannot create an equitable and thriving civilization. Yeah, so, yeah. I love everything that you just said. That... That is what I mean when I'm talking about the sacred figure eight is a core foundational code of new earth. None of it can come to be without it. But what's interesting is as we're moving, like, I don't know as much, but about Pisces to Aquarius, I know that at least we're moving from there, there, right? We're in literally a sacred figure eight. We're in the epicenter of it. And what pops out of it is the sacred figure eight. There's no other, we can't hop anymore back and forth. When you're talking about like higher technologies and I'm going to call it multidimensional integration. This is also a part of the work that I do is multidimensional integration. Um, you again, must have the sacred figure eight. You must have, you can't have energetics in their harmonized form without having masculine and feminine in an integrative sacred figure eight. It's not possible. I help people again, like I give them Ferraris of Merkabas and toroidal fields for their evolution. And I teach them the foundations of that because you have to have the foundations in order to ever grow into that. Something that we're doing here is a sacred figure eight of individuality and togetherness. That's what Guy is. Guy is gifting the galactics. <laughs> she's she's a bad bitch. <laughs> and and so when we take masculine feminine, we can do sacred figure eight on almost like anything. You look at a polarity, you can do it on anything. So multidimensional integration is when we individually are creating the sacred figure eight within inside of ourselves, which allows us to go into, we're now an element of creation. We're operating at the energetics of creation itself, right? Like our energy is actually running where patriarchy stops it from running. Now it's flowing. Now it's going. Now it's becoming, oh, we're remembering ourselves as creators. We're no longer being controlled. As if our energy is controlled, our creation is controlled. So we're taking back ourselves, taking back ourselves into a sacred figure eight operation of energetics and sovereignty. And then all of that allows us to be, again, with, within the vibrational frequency and me mechanics of being an actual creator. So we're remembering ourselves as creators. And when we do that, we will start remembering ourselves throughout time and space. And when we start remembering ourselves throughout time and space, we're actually activating our DNA, which has been here, but it's not been able to be activated for us to remember ourselves throughout all time and space. Because patriarchy has infiltrated our DNA like everything else. So when our DNA and all of the bridges come, and if you look at a, a DNA structure, you can see masculine, feminine, that's a ladder. But it's spinning on a sacred figure eight. <laughs> so it takes all polarity and it integrates it. I'm also a master integrator. That's what I do. That's part of being a spectrum zero through nine. So we activate the DNA, we activate our memory, we activate what I'm calling like a kosh, which is like clean, clean memory, not obstructed by patriarchy in any way. We come online to ourselves as creators. And then what's happening? Oh, me, 
the two of you, we all, we have all had different experiences within creation. We've all been within different dimensions. We've all been within different planetary systems. For me, I'm Arcturian, I'm Palladian, I'm an OG of creation. I've literally been a planet. That's how I met Gaia. I met her when I was a planet and I was like, yo girl, you looking fine and I also could help you out. Do you wanna do this thing? I've been angelic, right? I've had many lifetimes here on earth. I've had inner earth lifetimes. I'm remembering all of these things. I'm remembering all these things and I'm bringing all of that, which is my, that's the activation of my own DNA and my, my memory, which I could only do because I work with masculine and feminine and balance and in a sacred figure eight form. And like you have different DNA, each of us has different DNA, but we're in physicalized form because that is the juiciness of Gaia. She gave us this 3D reality, which people then negate and think less of. And it's like, no, <laughs> that is energy condensed, babe. That's proximity. I talk about proximity because if you travel the quantum field, if you travel the galactics, it's all about proximity points. There are proximity points. I can give certain people who are astral travelers, I say, this is the proximity point for this thing and they can go travel to that place and they can, they can experience what that place is. So we each are bringing those proximity points down, 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 down into a condensed, condensed, condensed state where it's more proximity. So each and every one of us is now gonna have our memory from the different places that we have been throughout time, space, and creation itself closer in proximity to it within us. So what I'm saying is, is yes, I've been an angelic being. Now my angelic, my angelic self, aspect of self is meeting my Egyptian lifetime. And they're exchanging information through my cellular DNA. So that's me individually. Now let's get us all who have come here to earth from all these different spaces. And we are, so many of us are badasses in the galactics. But we're, we're, we are bad asses. That's why we're here on earth. Gaia wants that knowledge. She wants that, those codes. That's why I love her because she code collects like no other. And so do I. <laughs> and now all those codes are together. Okay, now what are we going to start doing? We're going to start healing galactic history. Not earth history. That's our next evolution in new earth. We heal galactic history. Because, for example, you might be Lyran. And you had a lifetime as Liren, and you were there when the destruction of, of the whole Liren system happened. And this is like, you know, some people may be familiar with it, some people might not, but there was a war, a galactic war between Reptilians and, and, and Lirans. And it was a takeover. I don't even want to call it a war, it was a takeover, right? And you may then be in proximity to someone who has been a reptilian, but they actually are not, for example, quote unquote, bad reptilian. There's no species that's entirely bad or entirely good. Like that's Thanks just for saying that. <laughs> I always bring this up. I'm always like, let's not start being xenophobic now or against whatever pattern, you know, like for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> that takes the codependent triangle and it goes victim and savior and perpetrator. That's not where we're going when it's integration. That's not what we're looking at when it's a sacred figure eight. That's the explanation, actually. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now you're in proximity to someone who is actually embodying reptilian uh, technology or wisdom that actually can benefit humanity. And you're a Lyran and you're in proximity to them. And now you're healing the galactic trauma that happened in that planetary system. 
We're going to be exchanging information of high-level technologies all over the galactics that have never been able to be in such close proximity to one another, ever. That's what Gaia is doing, and that's an outcome of New Earth, and that is where we're going. And I know for a fact that's where we're going. I know for a fact that that's where we will be. It's decided. <laughs> we're in it, but it's decided. And I know these things, and I've seen these things again, because I am mother of New Earth. I've been on this journey. I brought some of this blueprint, main blueprint with me to be here in this lifetime. I mean, I've had a lot to get here, but to open up certain portals and uh, even the DNA, I'm here to really create that DNA and allow it to flow and ground it and anchor it and anchor a lot of codes that are needed and necessary for us to ever get there. And I'm doing it right now that's why i know where we're going and i also work with not only personal timelines but collective timelines so i also know we're going because i'm working with collective timelines i'm literally changing them in my everyday reality or life that's what's up uh i it's i'm kind of sad he doesn't do it anymore but we used to open up with me doing the kind of major arcana and Raphael. he's gone through a few decks an angel deck by uh wizard of odd which is dope as well as the uh, Galactic Heritage deck, which I bought after seeing Raphael fuck with it. Um, Lisa Royal, um, she's out in Sedona or something. Um, we've got to get her on the podcast, actually, now that I think about it. I uh, haven't fucked with those cards in a while. I didn't bring them to Costa Rica. The alien thing, it's one of these things where I'm always like, is this an, um, especially having done DMT and seen Egyptian deities and have Kundalini, Kundalini activations and stuff um, back in the day, um, I'm wondering, like, are these archetypes are like how what is true what is real it's really hard especially as like Raphael was saying at the end of the age of pisces which and right now neptune and jupiter are almost conjunct that hasn't happened since 1856 um it can be very uh disconcerting kind of like who's where who's on what side um it kind of feels like the sorting hat a little in harry potter right now for you know people are you know whether you're getting vaxxed or not or are you voting this way or that i think people like yourself and ourselves are kind of uh, to a large degree over um the by i mean coming from a gemini the lover's card the shadow of that ultimately is this kind of um ironically the uh the devil card which is this um you're chained to your positions you're not going to be fluid and the whole point is kind of like it's this kind of weird like you're saying a uh, hyperdimensional toroid that's just flitting and fluxing i'm rambling but uh rough i was gonna say pull a galactic heritage card um but uh unless you're on that shit already um because it's glitching so bad, I have no clue what you're doing. Uh, so if you're showing okay. me your I'm, hands, I'm, yeah, I'm shuffling, um, I'm shuffling the cards. I'm just I'm wondering whether I'll pull one. Or your, uh, and Jim, it's really interesting because while you talk, you don't hear me at all. I've readings from people but, before, and they're like, <laughs> "You're crazy galactic and stuff." And I'm like, "Okay." And my mind kind of gets stuck on things like, "Well, people want to tell stories, and we're inhabiting stories, and we're just developing through archetypes. Nothing's just anything." But sometimes I'm wondering how much of, um, like we were talking about earlier, um, for lack of a better term, like kind of the um, feminine hemispheric um the dream space is the most real and then it kind of patternizes and and coalesces to a form in a way and then that's kind of the logical like oh here's i just have a tentative explanation um, in terms of brain hemispheres. i'm wondering what your um and rafael could speak on this because he channels and does galactic stuff still i think um what how should we approach these kind of star seed galactic ele elements um and how do you explain it to either naysayers or skeptics at some, at some point it's like pearls of swine so it's like why even bother someone's like totally shut off to the shit that's where they're at and they don't need you know you, you get what you need closed mouths don't get fed kind of thing um but how do you kind of navigate people through those waters um just mentally spiritually whatever 
And Ashton, if you like, anytime at say start or whatever you like, and then I'd use the top card, or I just use this one, whatever okay. you like. Perfect. Okay. So, okay. so I, I speak matter of factly. That's, that's one way that I manage these things. I just, I just speak from what I know and I hold it. Too many times we're showing up like we know something, but we're not willing to actually hold it steady, sturdy, and anchored. And then it gives wiggle room to things that are false, like disbelief. And I'm like, well, I have, look, you can disbelieve all you want. That's yours. That's sovereignty. You get to choose to disbelieve. It does not change my experience or my knowing in any way at all. So I just speak to truth. I just speak to actuality. I just say what I know and I hold it. And I'm not in competition with any other person. Um, sometimes people think I am <laughs> because I speak very fiercely. I'm a fierce feminine. And I definitely stand quite righteously <laughs> a lot of the time, honestly. It but I'm really freaking out a little open. when uh, I messaged you and I was like, oh, some of your chart. And you're like, actually, come at me different. And I was like, oh my God. Because uh, I understand fundamentally kind of what was going on. And I just, I wasn't like, give me your chart, woman. It wasn't like, I was like, yo, show me your chart or whatever. Kind of just kind of nonchalantly. But I was, that's what I was like, oh my God, what are we going to get to here? You've turned out to be much uh, more couth and cool and all this stuff. But I pulled the devil card and I was looking at your chart. And I was like, is she going to like, and especially given my moon is conjunctor Lilith, I was like, is she going to like kick my ass and hate us or whatever? But um, yeah, not to interrupt you, but yeah, you were, you were very, uh, uh severe is like maybe this not the right word because it's very kind of saturnian but you're very no fucking around energy yep i'd say intense <laughs> i'm definitely intense um i get this a lot jim i get this a lot especially with social media people think that i'm one way and i'm another way um so you know when you had messaged me and said uh give me your chart this is what happened as me as a feminine I can't move. He, ju he just sent a directive and a demand. I literally couldn't do it. I was like, man, I would love to give you my chart, <laughs> but you're going to have to request it from me in a different way. You have like, for me, there needs to be this deep amount of reverence and it needs to be communicated and clean throughout in order for me to move. Otherwise I won't move because why the feminine has been demanded and directed. You must. And I'm not saying that you were doing that in any way. That's why I invited you into requesting it from me in a different way. So I could then provide to you what you were asking for. And I was like, okay, this could, you know, potentially we might not even have this thing <laughs> because, because there is a risk. There's a risk in standing really deeply. And like, those are the energetics I work with. I do not speak what I do not walk. And sometimes people fear that because I will request certain things and I will not be movable in certain ways because it is of my integrity of what I am body embodying here in truth that I will not move because I know it's for the highest that I do not move. But I also, I am so freaking friendly. I am so heartfelt. I am so loving. I am so like fun and playful and intense. Like I am all the things. And you I do think have Jupiter and Aquarius um, near mine. Mine's at 16. I think yours is at 20. Raphael's got a North Node in Aquarius, but Jupiter and Aquarius in fifth house. So you do have a big heart, albeit a weird heart. 
um, or eccentric or however one wants to put that. I'm not even hating. Uh, but yeah, you're, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I think in a sense, it's good to see people, and I'm just kind of talking generally here, um, authenticity is kind of the name of the game. And I, but I think sometimes, uh, like what you're saying, and I know I do this, where I leave enough wiggle room for doubt, where I start playing in my mind and just going through loops of like, is this true? Is this not? And you just get stuck in this hall of mirrors, in a sense. Um, at some point, you either get out of the boat and, walk, boat and walk on the fucking water, or you don't. And it's like that simple, kind of. Um, but then, given uh, the nature of reality and people kind of burning witches or calling you crazy or uh, or one, one crazy or... Um, just all the dismissed stuff. It's kind of a joke. I mean, I think it was a lot harder in a sense, probably pre 2012 for a lot of people. I don't know about you, but it's like after it's been insane, like birth pangs of this new Aeon for the past uh, eight years, 10 years. But um, yeah, we're getting there and maybe it's just an echo chamber of my social media and the people I surround myself with it or whatever. But like people like Raphael and yourself um, and a number of my friends and uh, fiance or just random people, you know, all these people, it makes me think we're on the right track, but then yeah, it seems like uh, it's almost like a wedding dress train or something. It's like, oh, we're there. And then you look back and it's like someone's stomping all over the train or whatever's going on. It's like, wait, I thought we were there, but I guess I guess we're going to, you know, get to get a geopolitics or, you know, a number of things. So I, I'm kind of ranting, but um, the whole point was, yes, your heart is big and quirky. Uh, so the multidimensional kind of, in, it, I mean, the thought that came to mind was like, like, geez, I haven't been there, but it's like, if it didn't hold its form, um, and have all these exact kind of tunnels doing these exact things and stuff, it wouldn't be the pyramid, right? And, and uh, in a sense that like that kind of, you know, certain things have to maintain their form in order to maintain integrity, like you're saying. Um, there's a wisdom in that. There's also a wisdom, obviously, in fluidity and change and kind of like the Tao is always breathing, whatever. But anyway, I, um, I'll um shut the fuck up. Oh, briefly though, Raphael, because I don't know if he's on mute or did you pull a car, uh, Galactic Heritage? No, card I haven't given him the thumbs up yet. Yeah, you, I, haven't, oh, haven't, okay, okay. you haven't done it. So do one thing, and then I was going to do the yeah, thumbs up. All right. So basically, okay, I, I can keep shuffling. Like, the one I chose first. Is, I, this is so glitchy that I can't really know what's going on. But anyway, uh, yeah, say your thing, and then we'll do whatever. Yeah, Jim. Just so you know, if you want to hear what we're saying, you have to shut up because it seems uh, we you can't hear us if you talk. Just so you know, it, this is the way it seems. So the first card that I chose was the one when you use the term righteous. You know, maybe it's my Libra or whatever, but that's the one. Of course, you can have another one. Jim seems to be rejoining, and uh, he's already here. And then, if it's okay, so, so basically, maybe finish your thoughts. I'll keep shuffling. You give me the sign, and afterwards, I'd like to comment yeah okay so let me see if i can track back here the structure piece that jim was speaking to really stuck out to me um yes the reason why that stuck out to me is because i literally am a pyramid i literally am a temple if people could see ether etherically in my true emanation i'd be many things and one of them is i am a legit portal pyramids were created for, for the portals <laughs> and to ground the codes that were coming in through the portals. <laughs> and I'm a walking portal. This is an evolutionary aspect of the pyramids. So I recognized, well, where people know portals are at, they get infiltrated. Why don't I come back in a human form so I could actually walk it around life and I could, I could be, I could go wherever I wanted to go as a portal. And so some of the structure pieces for me, are immensely needed and strong because I am a portal. I provide 
face forward, fierce, fiery, feminine. Why? Because you must step in with reverence if you want to get these codes. You want to, you want to experience love like you've never known? You better be able to step through the fire first. And if you can, then you will receive. So this is why people a lot of times think, oh my God, she's scary. Like I watch people like type on my comments and then erase because they know if they, I will speak truth into the room and I'm a seer and I'm a divine mirror and I will say the thing. That's what happens when you come to my home. I don't go to other people's homes like that. But when you step to my door, there are particular kind of requirements because I require them by being the divine mirror, fierce feminine and portal that I am. Only the most evolutionary beings are meant to work with me and they must be able to step in with reverence and step through the fire. And so that's why communication with me has to be a particular way. And I will invite it and I will do the dance with you of learning what that is. I'm willing for that. But if you come at me with just straight disrespect, you will, the doors will close and you will never have them open again. I do believe in ownership and people can come back and take ownership for sure. But what I'm saying is, is that if you do not understand the value that's actually in the room with you relative to my presence, then you're probably not meant to receive my provision. And I take that very seriously. So, yes, I would love to hear about the card with righteousness, <laughs> for sure. Intrigued. Okay, is, is there a second one? Yes. Okay, this one on top now, when you said yes, or I another see, one? It almost looks like one sticking out from the middle. Oh. Which one? <laughs> There's several. Oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, mm -hmm. good. All right. So if it's cool with you, I go through the cards and then I briefly comment. All right? Beautiful. Yes, please. Or let's even do it the other way around. So um, I'll, I'll just briefly comment. So um, just because of the whole, you know, etheric, galactic, people understand different things about it. I've been into the topic actually for many years. And then also because some of the channels that had very high integrity, for example, Bashar, I'm not sure if you're familiar, kind of made some very inconsistent statements the past few years. And I'm like... And I'm not worried about it or whatever, but I'm kind of like, it's kind of sad, you know. Wish the world wasn't full of like false prophets for whatever yeah. reason. This has to be like this, at least in this timing now, you know, even if maybe the content before was good. But I'm just, was just thinking like, if it is true that negative polarity in itself um, cannot fundamentally and originally create something, ex then um, it follows that any type idea of an etherics, you know, grace, whatever, positive, loving angels and all of that, in it, by this understanding, they must be real. Let's say they must be positive. However, it is also included in the game that whatever image can be created would be hijacked by the negative side. Mm. If the negative really cannot create itself, but so many people are talking about it, then also the negative couldn't really come up with it completely. Let's say there must be a fundamental truth to it if the negative energy itself cannot create. You know, I'm just, you know, playing these mind games, but, you know, what are we here for as humans? That's <laughs> part of the thing. So in terms of um, somehow what you said to me related to the uh, law of confusion. So basically the idea that free will choice must always be given. The right to disbelief 
just as you said, you know. And if one gets into this here again, love one highly recommended. It. It's it's a real trip to start to understand and kind of grok this and just you know attempt a different style and you'll get very different results and it's much more fun. And then to bring up a very unpopular opinion, um, I'm doing some interviews with David Ewing Jr., who actually has the Guinness World Record for most countries traveled. And he's bringing up all interesting things about, you know, religion, uh, Quran, old buildings, reset civilizations, strange things we are not told about, and also fake monuments. And his most recent book, I shamelessly want to promote here because I think the stuff he does is awesome and amazingly interesting, shows the Pyramid of Giza. And apparently, the huge blocks are only at the bottom. You have smaller blocks going to the top. If you look closer, it's actually not that well done. And there are old images where you basically have like slaves being whipped, you know, but not a thousand years ago, but maybe 150 years ago. And for, of course, for someone also me interested in this is completely insane. Like what? You want to take away my great pyramid? There is these nice images of it. Psychedelic. It's so awesome. Orion constellation. It's in popular culture everywhere. I have a strong association to this even if it is trumped up, you know, but at the same time, it also tells me, again, going by the same logic, there must be some truth to it. And one simple example is there is what I understand, many underground pyramids, or let's say underwater pyramids, and whole areas that are completely zoned off, both Antarctica and Bimini zone and so on, where it seems there is huge step pyramids and so on. So even if many of the surface built ones maybe were faked up to create a fake history and fake understanding and more confusion, there still must be fundamental reality because, uh, you know, it just take, makes too much sense architecturally and so on. But I just think it's incredibly interesting to really be interested in the truth. And I'm not saying they are fake or not. I'm just saying it's, I think it's amazing to be able to investigate and then get to, just like you said, the deeper and deeper layer of truth in the approximation of the one to at least, again, get to a level of integration. I'm always saying where, you know, this can be the holiday fun planet it's kind of supposed to be, you know, and <laughs> supposed to be, but should, supposed to be turning into, I guess. So we're on the journey. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love so much of what you, so much of what you shared. Um, if you would imagine being like a portal in a walking pyramid, right? you're going to have to consistently be considering infiltration, which is why I put my fierce feminine forward, which is why I don't, um, I'm not trying to have a whole lot of followers. <laughs> um, so at some point you learn, how do I do this? How do I do this effectively without drawing in the infiltration? And this is what I call pure form. If you maintain your energetics relative to pure creation, you're not as susceptible to infiltration. I have to do this every single day in every single moment, which is why I have to stay in my integrity in the way that I do. The considerations that I have to make even for the clients that I work with, um, it's things I don't hear other people having to necessarily deal with in the same way that I do. Um, and so, you know, this pattern of like, where there is benevolence, there is malevolence, right? Like we look at Jesus, like, look at, look at, look at what came from his story. I literally record a vast majority of my life because I want for my story to never be retold in a way that is false. Cause I understand what I'm occupying here. It's a good I idea. Get I get it. No one else has to get what I'm occupying here. I get it. And I've learned 
from the past in how infiltration has worked. And so I create my life in a way that like, I don't invite people to my house. <sighs> I got portals in my house. People don't know where I live. I don't do it. This is not everyone's experience or necessity, but it is mine. And I take it very seriously. I was like, oh, she's all secretive. I get it. Uh, no, I mean, there's lots of levels to it. I'm not trying to poke fun at what you're saying. Um, but uh, I mean, it's tricky because like you were saying, you've had uh, drama of some kind. I don't even know the details and we don't need to go into it, but there's reasons that you do this. And uh, yeah, I've, as a Gemini, it's hard to learn respect, especially 11th house on Gemini with Jupiter and Aquarius. Irreverence is kind of my name, like go-to. So the fact that um, you were like, kind of setting up hurdles to jump over. I found both challenging, but like, I was like, let's see where this goes. This gonna worst case scenario. This is a train wreck. We, she hangs up and like, you know, we delete the episode or whatever. Um, I don't know if I missed much cause I was going in and out. Like it was like, you don't even have internet now. It's like, what, what the fuck is actually going on? So I don't think you pulled a card. Um, I no, didn't want to have, interrupt. We have both cards and the only okay. thing I don't exactly know which one now is the righteous one and the other one that you chose. <laughs> I put them down. So I'm not, I can't guarantee it. But yeah, so figure oh, eight okay. failed. Very interesting. So we have one is five fluidity Andromeda parallel, and the other one is twenty-two homesickness mm. Vega past. That's funny because the Vega kind of energy always to me is very not Virgo necessarily, but it's very kind of a stoic it's like a really prim and proper almost a capricorn virgo jedi or something like that where they're like let's get this right and be healthy and get the merkaba just so and this angle is if it's not this way we're not building it kind of thing and then the whole andromeda fluidity is like it's all a joke and it's fucking we're swirling around in a dream like, it's like actually, how could, it's actually you good, could actually i mean this can always be done if one is creative and interconnected enough within oneself but we could very much see the uh, um, feminine masculine polarity here as well the way you just described it, yeah, mm -hmm. it's pretty good, yeah. And all, but also interestingly, that the vegan aspect actually in the galactic story is oftentimes more attributed to the feminine or inward looking, actually. Yeah, it's like um, a mystical kind of. Although, like, in yeah. although also it's always associated with the structure and the whatever technique, just like you said. So like even here, it's a both again, and uh, yeah, fluidity of course uh, would be yeah here the feminine. And I mean, I guess here it fits a bit more, but five, of course, is Hierophant. The only thing that, about the Andromedan here, the idea oftentimes is that it's kind of like a mirror galaxy or something or mirror dimension, where instead of having everything move so incredibly slow, everything is basically, everything is changing. And this is also always because we brought it up earlier here, just briefly again, this idea where they then mention you need great emotional stability to be able to navigate that density and that type of reality because you cannot anchor to physical objects around yourself the manifestation is much more akin to astral realms of immediate manifestation and yeah there the way it's explained is like you can walk down the street and everything changes when you look back you know so um yeah anyhow so good pulls and and the whole vegan thing i mean I, it's great that those cards came up because it is kind of a lover's card situation at the galactic level in a sense because it's both and all the way up and down. It's turtles all the way down, as they say. Um, it's it's just both and the whole way. So it's like, um, you know, you need how would I put this? The sanctity and purity and the conciseness of the of the vegan kind of thing is like 
let's fast for 40 days and fucking humming 440, you know, 432 hertz or whatever, 440. And, uh, and we'll go somewhere. Whereas the other one is more like it's happening so quickly that you can't even be that uh, focused in making it happen. Um, I'm just rambling, um, but I'm curious. You can speak on those cards if you'd like. Uh, obviously, Ashton, if if you don't want to, that's cool too. And then I might have one or two more questions and we'll start kind of winding it down. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just really kind of perfecting, right? Again, masculine and feminine structure and flow. This is how my life is every day, all the time. It's always the and both but yes that too means separateness at certain times to dive deeper into that singled out kind of element but it's it's fast and it's slow again i've had a very what you would call a long journey to earth in this kind of grand plan that i've that i've uh, you know collaborated with gaia on and it's been many lifetimes I traveled all over just to get to her. And then I traveled into her and then I traveled up from into her. And then I traveled like it was human incarnations. And at the same time that it's slow, it's fast. The same time that I say there's this length of time, it's also, it's like, it's so simultaneous and happening. It's so quick. The quickening is here. Like we're experiencing it right now. Um, also, I just wanted to mention like the homesick because I have the stellium in the fourth house, you know, um, and I have been literally seeing myself as an old soul dying lately because the plan has kind of come to be <laughs> like I still have things that I'm intending and I know that I will be doing in this lifetime, but I could not. Um, like I, I haven't mentioned it here, but I went on a portal pilgrimage that was predestined in 2021. And as I've been reincarnating lifetime after lifetime, I have been passing through portals that I created and maintained that have codes from all my previous lifetimes. And then I encode them with the new lifetime and information so that I can re-remember myself while most people are have been remaining in an amnesic state on earth. And that's a very unique experience to have over time with Gaia. And so in this portal pilgrimage, I couldn't, I could encode and maintain those portals, but I couldn't open them. I wasn't, it wasn't time yet. It wasn't divine time yet. And this lifetime, I started remembering, oh my gosh, I've gone on all these journeys before. I need to leave this marriage and family therapy degree and go on a portal pilgrimage. Who would have known? And I was crying tears of joy because I had never been able to unlock them before. I had never been able to open them before. And it was time. And I've been yearning for this. So when you talk about like a long journey, you know, it's been a long journey. And simultaneously, it's like the codes all open up and it's all here, baby. <laughs> like it's go time. So as I've been seeing myself as an old soul, because I know that it's time I've gotten, I actually have come to a sort of point of completion, even though it's not fully completed yet, that my, my journey with Gaia is coming of sorts to an end. I will always love her. And I will, I've made an agreement with her that I'll return when it is time. Cause I'm also here to soak up the juice when it's all grounded and good. <laughs> but, um, it's like, she's been my home 
for a really long time, just even on a soul purpose level, on a blueprint level. And there's been a lot of grief that's been happening for me of just thinking about, wow, I'm going to be leaving her and I love her so much. And I'm so proud of what we've all accomplished here. And when I say what we've all accomplished here, I really mean that I'm not speaking about just myself. I would not be able to open these portals if humanity wasn't ready, if we hadn't had people that were showing up from all over the galactics to do this work. And I'm so grateful that we are now in this position where this transformation is happening, can happen and is happening. So I don't know where my next home is. <laughs> and, and, and it's ironic because I, because I consider, you know, it's like mother of new earth, having this new earth container as my home. I have so many aspects of home and there's a micro to macro pattern of me experiencing home and from my childhood of just like not feeling home at all. I was like, what is home? I, I know that there's this call for me in my soul of what is home. And I, and I didn't have like a childhood home that felt like home. And now that it's kind of like in a way, like we're arriving in a new earth. We haven't quite cross that precipice fully yet as a collective, but it'll be like the new home. We're going to arrive home to ourselves, to ourselves, multidimensional aspects of self, to our bodies, to our soul, to Gaia, to each other, to communities. Home is on its way. Many of us have been homesick because we've had a lot of challenges through this journey that's kind of fragmented and fractured us. But fragmentation is always a return to wholeness in its next evolution. So yeah, that's what I have to say about the homesick thing. Well said. Yeah, I definitely understand what you mean. I mean, it's one of these strangers in a strange uh, land. Like this isn't where, this isn't the final destination. And yet it is, it's kind of a paradox where it's like, uh, I think in Narnia books, if you've ever read those, um, some movies do this too, but like, it's like, oh, you were always here, but you were just tripping out in like kind of <laughs> sub sub realms of the same place. It's like, an, in a sense, it's like, we're always like, what's not grace. We're always in this bubble of being, uh, whether it's multidimensional or galactic or whatever. Um, so there's kind of like different rooms of the house. And at some point, I guess, um, in, in the show, we've done an episode on it, but there's a show, um, called neon Genesis evangelion where i guess there's a cabalistic apotheosis at the end where everyone's like i guess the you know they're all clapping like uh great job or you know whatever they say right Raphael? And it's like kind of just like this this awareness of coming home and job well done mission accomplished whatever um and i kind of feel like it's weird because it's not over yet i but i do feel you know a little on the front of like not it's not like suicidal or nihilistic or anything but it's almost like all right so we're gonna like the the first act is done and now we're going to be doing something else soon and it's going to shift and maybe we won't remember what happened or what i have no presuppositions really in terms of how that's going to look but it does seem like uh things are i mean it's an apocalypse one way or the other it's a changing you know a lifting of the veil and it seems like a lot of people are going to be confronted with their shadows and what they've done to each other and see themselves you know see themselves more clearly and hopefully they, uh, the lion and the lamb do lay down and all this kind of jazz. So it should be interesting. But um, yeah, like I said, I don't have any exact specifications or expectations in terms of what that looks like. I'm just like, all right, well, like as long as I don't, as long as suffering kind of stuff, you know, let's, let's, it's bodhisattva shit. It's like, let's all just wake up already. Like this is kind of getting old and like, you know, this crazy like domain is cool and interesting, but it's like getting stuck in an arcade for like 20 years. And it's just like, I'm really 
tired of hearing the same noises and seeing the flashlights. Like I beat the games. I'm kind of over it. And I'm not saying I've beaten the games, but in any event, um, I was going to ask you stuff about psychology and kind of go down a rabbit hole with that, but I'm just realizing we can save that for another episode probably. Um, and kind of get into like the, you know, Carl Jung, um, maps of, you know, meaning in terms of, um, ways of being, uh, just different schools of thought. Cause yeah, this was kind of just an introductory drive-by, kind of like, who the fuck are you? And uh, I think we've got a pretty good idea. Um, if you want to plug any kind of, um, like, we've got your website. Raphael threw it up there at one point. Um, how can people, I sounds like you're kind of selective, but uh, how do people get in contact with you and what kind of stuff do you offer? And then uh, we'll kind of say our adieus. Yeah. Oh, so um, highly recommend finding me on social media right now I'm on Facebook as the ship sinks and um, also on IG and a little bit on YouTube. I'm really opening to what the next platform is going to be. I think many of us are. Kindly so synchronize your YouTube channel to Odyssey where we publish. I'll send you the link. It's very simple to do. It's two, three clicks and it doesn't censor so much. It's actually possible to find stuff and you can easily back up your entire YouTube stuff without needing to do much. So, yeah. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. So check me out on social media because it's going to give you a, a decent idea of who I am, you know, and if you, if you feel the call, like that's the thing is my people again are divinely orchestrated. So if you feel the call, like you're leaning in, like you've been listening to this and you're leaning in, then trust it. Go check out my website at trueselfembodied.com. I currently am offering uh, a loomed womb. This is to return the feminine to her mastery magic and her power through womb clearings, attunements, high-level womb technologies. But I'm also doing teaching transmissions around patriarchal energetics because we need to understand those things in order to not participate with them so that we can actually hold our feminine creation space, our womb space, and our soul bodies in divine right order. So I do not, you know, I don't do magic wand experiences. My work is an invitation for embodiment. So you don't come to me for a womb clearing to come back to me for another womb clearing to come back to me for another womb clearing. You come to me to do the, the work. Um, so I will offer, you know, harmonize, you know, harmonizing an etheric temple of the feminine and her original blueprint and her original womb so you can feel it, so you can remember her. And then you need to go out in the world and you need to be able to hold that and walk it. Um, so I have a, I'm doing that as a series right now. I don't know where exactly it'll go. I'm very like organic in my creation. So it may continue onward. But for right now, I know that it's going to be happening for April on April 13th of a session. And I'm allowing people to join any and all sessions. Um, and then I'm going to have another one in May. And then I also have my intensive process, which is exactly that intense. <laughs> I think through this, I have expressed that stepping into my space is a transformational process. I'm a walking initiation of the highest, like of the highest. You must be committed. You must be devoted to your work. You must crave evolution to really be a match for my deeper level work. And so if that sounds right to you, then I invite you to check out the intensive process where I construct a portal customized for your evolution. And then we have a person-centered session and then another um, experiential teaching, which is basically like, as long as you can withstand it, we're gonna be in the same space together, teaching and moving energy. 
you know. So it's intense, and then that opens up potentially if I invite you to ongoing work to the second corridor, because my work is just corridors after corridors after corridors, deepening into yourself, into truth, into your multidimensional integration, into your communication skills, your relationships, masculine and feminine. Uh, I'm going to be having something come out later on. I don't know when because I'm in process with it, but it's soul gold. And I'm going to be teaching people about energetics, how to embody their true self through high level energetics from foundations onward. It's going to be, again, another highly transformational experience. And then I also do portal art. So I have a art that I channel in and I actually call in the codes. I put them into the art piece and I then have to walk those codes into real life. So I don't offer any of my artwork until I've integrated the codes into embodiment. So literally my consciousness is a reflection of the codes in my artwork. Um, when you go check out my website, you'll see portal art, go look at the artwork, but know that what you're looking at is way more than what you see. What is unseen is where the juice is at. And so it's kind of like I'm like, you know, when you go to a crystal shop and you want to feel into your body and pick out a crystal, that's what you do with my artwork. You're not buying a piece of art, even though you are, you're really buying a portal for your house. So that's customized to your evolutionary process as well. Um, so yeah, go check out my website at trueselfembody.com. That's kind of what I have going on and follow me on social media. If you want to know any kind of new things that I have going on in the future as well. Word. Well, I hope you've had some fun. I don't know if you've done podcasts before, but it's been a pleasure having you on here and going down the rabbit hole. Um, if there's kind of, I, it's not like a last statement or anything, but if there's any like kind of nugget of wisdom or epitaph style thing, uh, you want to leave people with, uh, to munch on Go for it. If not, if you've said all you've wanted to say, that's cool too. Um, and then we'll dip. Yeah. So one of my powerful kind of multidimensional codes, I have a multidimensional tool as well, like an etheric tool that comes with me. And what I say when I use it is remember yourselves. Remember yourself. Remember yourself. And that's what I invite all the listeners to do. And on that note, too, I thank both of you for existing and being here at this time. It's a very special time to like share and just experiencing together, but also to share in these kind of conversations. You know, you're facilitating incredible conscious evolutionary conversations that people need to hear. And I really just want to appreciate both of you for creating this space and doing what you do and bringing in exactly what you're meant to bring in because it's in contribution to all. And that also means it's in contribution to me. And yeah, I just appreciate both of you. Mucho gracias. I'm always like, shit, my posts on Facebook and this stuff is like, cause this wasn't my idea. This was Raphael's idea to do a podcast. We just kind of used to rap a lot and it's like, let's capture this on tape or I don't even know what his thought process was, but here we are almost 300 episodes later. Um, I'm just like the AI gods just know that I, or whatever's happening. It's like, no, we tried. <laughs> like we were really trying. Sometimes it's a therapy couch. Sometimes it's very much like, you know, um, a philosophical kind of psychological um, exploration. So it was a lot of fun getting to know you. Hopefully our paths cross at some point. Uh, I don't know when I would be in the Blue Ridge area next, but I'll let you know if I ever am. And guys, team rabbit hole as fuck, ain't she? So uh, always, 
the dream just kind of splinters and fractals like a Doctor Strange kind of trip. But um, further up and further in, y'all, like we're here, we're out here, we're doing it. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you, Jim, as always, and everyone else. Enjoy the culmination of the many plays that is the now. Remember yourselves. Thank you very much. <laughs>